inside 2014's drug spending trends. This is Industry Focus. Hi Fools, healthcare analyst Michael Douglas here, and I'm on the phone with Todd Campbell, one of our contributors from New Hampshire. Uh, Todd, uh, spring has certainly come down here in Alexandria. I don't know uh, if it's if it's quite reached the the Great White Northeast, though. Yeah, the uh, we've got a lot of gray because we haven't had any fresh snow. So, <laughs> oh gosh, that's the worst. <laughs> We're we're now in the non-pretty stage of the, of the snow season, heading straight on into the mud season. Ah, gotcha. Lovely. Uh, uh, looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, well, something something uh, something interesting came out recently. Um, Express Scripts uh, did their their commentary on drug spending from last year. A thirteen percent increase in spend compared to the year before, driven by thirty what was it thirty one percent thirty three percent increase in specialty drugs. pump uh, upward in um, spending on specialty drugs, and that was primarily driven by, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, the the jump in spending on hepatitis C therapies. Yeah, let's jump right into that number, because while it wasn't the the spending on hepatitis C number, uh, on hepatitis C drugs, wasn't that big when compared to the totality, it was certainly the most impressive growth, a 700 and 43% bump, to be precise, which is just, uh, I would probably use the word jaw-dropping. A, a jaw-dropping, eye-opening, eye-popping, any of those work. Yeah, so so let's talk Let's talk, uh, listeners through sort of what happened there a little bit. Well, I think the, the thing that investors really have to recognize here is that a lot of that spending jump is because so many people uh, were warehoused for treatment ahead of the approval uh, in December of 2013 for Savaldi, which is Gilead Sciences' um, uh, drug that, that got approved and has went on to have an unbelievable year. I mean, $10 billion worth of sales last year right. in, uh, from Savaldi alone. So, you know, you're coming off of a, you're comparing that 740% jump to a very, very low uh, baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, because not that many people were treated in 2013. But still, I mean, we're talking about just phenomenal spending uh, on the category. I mean, Savaldi with $10 billion in sales, uh, Harboni, which got approved in October, uh, doing over $2 billion in sales, and combined $12.4 billion uh, in sales for Gilead Sizes, hepatitis C drugs, in the first year following the approval. Yeah, and so... One of the things that I think a lot of investors are dealing with with Gilead, and one of the reasons it's a uh, for biotech at least comparatively cheap stock, right? It doesn't have a price to earnings ratio in the hundreds, <laughs> um, is that you know the expectation is that drug spend increase is going to kind of ramp down. Although still looking at what I would consider still pretty impressive spending increases, uh, what sixty six and a half percent increase in hepatitis C. Uh, spend expected in 2015, 55% in 16, 44% in 2017. I mean, these are still pretty darn big numbers. Maybe not 700%, but still pretty darn big. Well, these are huge numbers, and I think that investors are focusing too much attention on the competitive risk and, and the pricing concerns that came out after AbbVie uh, got their drug by Carapac approved in December. I mean, people have said, oh, well, they're going to have to do all this discounting, and it's a price war, et cetera, et cetera. You still have to recognize that the lower the, the price drop, yes, that's going to that's gonna crimp a little bit, but it's going to be more than offset, most likely, 
by an expanded population of treatable patients because now you've got these um, insurance companies that won't be uh, rationing care anymore to just the sickest of of Hep C patients. Right. Well, and you also have the Medicaid's engaging as well, and a lot of other government payers <clears throat> um, that Gilead sees a lot of opportunity for uh, this year, uh, particularly in Europe. Um, and so I, I think this is one of those things where I, you know, <laughs> if you ask me what's the best stock in in hepatitis C as a Gilead shareholder, and I know I know you are too, we'd probably both say, well, Gilead. Um, but you know, that's not to say that AbbVie is going to necessarily have an awful year either. Uh, this is one of those big growing markets that can probably support multiple big players. Oh, yeah. The, you know, a study just got conducted by the highly respected MD Anderson Cancer uh, Center mm-hmm. uh, in Texas. And the study found, or estimates, forecasts, however you want to look at it, $136 billion is going to get, are gonna, uh, gonna get spent on hep C medicine in the next five years. $136 billion. I mean, this is a... <sighs> truly massive market opportunity for these drug makers. Yeah, so certainly a lot to a lot to go on there. And a story, of course, as folks who've listened to Industry Focus for a while uh, know, a story that's very near and dear uh, to our hearts, one that we're always keeping a very close eye on just because it's so interesting. All right, so let's talk, let's talk about maybe less impressive growth numbers. You know, it's kind of hard to get 700%. But in, uh, in other areas, you know, diabetes spending was up 18%. Uh, and and Express Scripts put a lot of that because of the uh, approval of the new uh, SGLT2 drugs, like J&J's Invokana. Yeah, Invokana was the first one to win approval, and it's got the it, you know as a result, it's had the edge in in gaining market share, um, and it's already becoming uh, uh, increasingly. This is a new class of drugs that's going to be increasingly used. There's no getting around it. Mm-hmm. Um, Express Scripts is forecasting that. Spending will grow another 18% in each of the next three years. Now, that's pretty remarkable because diabetes is the biggest class for spending uh, out of any indication of the traditional side uh, of healthcare spending. And it's, it's the biggest by far. It's more than two times more per year per member than the next highest category. So you're talking about almost 20% growth per year for the next three years um, and a lot of that obviously is going to be tied to increasing prevalence of the disease, but it's also because of these SGLT2 drugs, which work differently than prior generation drugs. What these drugs do is they um, they basically they help it so that the kidney um, deals with blood sugar differently, better, so that it helps to regulate those. Uh, blood sugar levels mm-hmm. um, better than you would be able to regulate using traditional, you know, insulin and long-acting and short-acting insulin. So this is a drug that's going to get used alongside of these other therapies rather than instead of them. And as a result, spending is going to climb for each of these uh, for diabetics um, uh, over the course of the next few years. Yeah, and and it's interesting, you know, when you look at the 2014 uh, trend for diabetes, you know. Um, that 18%, you know, you know, 16.3% bump in cost, and just a 1.7% bump in utilization, and and we cer- we certainly know that um, healthcare costs are a big concern uh, for payers, uh, for the public, for taxpayers, for kind of everybody. Um, but you know, we're also going to see that continual growth growth in utilization as the population of folks who are diabetic uh, increases. Um, and, yeah, and, and to take. 
Right, and to take that one step further, Michael, um, you know, we have to also look at it and say, well, utilization was up 1.7%, but that was against, I mean, if you look at the, in all indications, utilization actually dipped slightly yeah. last year. So that's, that's pretty, pretty solid growth in utilization, and again, that's tied to that prevalence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and let's talk, let's talk finally about another class of drugs um, that Express Scripts called out, the, uh, the PCSK9 inhibitors, which you and I have talked about a few times in the past, but let's start with a little bit of background on them, and then we can kind of get into the, 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 the opportunity and, I think, Express Scripts' worry there. Yeah, I mean, for more than 20 years now, um, doctors and patients have, have been waging a war to get cholesterol levels down. And it's a war that, you know, is, is battles are being won, but the, the war is far from won. I mean, heart disease remains the biggest uh, killer of Americans every year. It accounts for about one out of every four deaths. So there's a significant unmet need um, to reduce the incidence of heart disease. And statins are an important weapon in that. I mean, and it's a huge market. Um, you know, Lipitor at its peak before it lost patent expiration was a $12 billion a year drug. Yeah. I mean, this is the most widely prescribed category of drugs uh, out there. And what's happening is that companies like Amgen are developing new drugs that work in a different way than statins that can be used alongside statins to get cholesterol levels even lower. And what they're finding is that if you can reduce the level of bad cholesterol in the body, you've got potentially less of a chance of having a blockage that leads to either a heart attack or a stroke. So that has got Express Scripts' attention because it's looking at it and saying, well, these are new biologic drugs. Statins have been around for 20 years. They're cheap. They're readily available. Um, and they're extremely, you know, uh, they're used very widely. What happens if all of the people who are taking statins eventually start also taking these new PCSK9 drugs too? You know, Express Scripts is guessing that the pricing of these drugs could come in around $10,000 a year. Yeah. And with 71 million people um, with high cholesterol, I mean, it could be a, a massive, massive uh, indication. Right. And, of course, I mean, some caveats here, right? Um, will the PCSK9s ultimately end up being dosed alongside statins in all cases? Um, kind of hard to say because right now they've been really targeting folks who cannot take statins, right? Um, and so whether that's uh, whether that's kind of a longer-term opportunity or not, I think, remains to be seen. But uh, certainly a lot of potential. I mean, um, just the initial numbers that you see for these PCSK9 inhibitors are in the, the 2 to $3 billion range. Um, and frankly, it could be bigger than that. And so there's, a, there's, I think, a lot of excitement around those. Right. I mean, you make a great point. Right now, neither of these drugs, there's one from Santa Fe and Regeneron, there's another one from Amgen, they have not been approved by the FDA yet. Um, you know, Amgen's uh, going to get an FDA decision in August, and the decision will be for um, use in a relatively a smaller patient pool, people who are basically intolerant to statins and still have very stubbornly high 
uh, bad cholesterol levels, so rare, rare, you know, rare forms of genetic disease that make them intolerant. So at the beginning, yes, the patient population is going to be pretty small. Um, and I think what people are looking at is they're saying, okay, we're assuming that over time that will expand. And like you said, you need to take that with a grain of salt because anything can happen in clinical trials. Yeah, uh, as, uh, as I, I think biotech investors find out, uh, unfortunately, uh, every week, all too often what seems to be a slam dunk or seems to be a certainty just doesn't end up happening. Uh, Todd, thanks for your thanks for your insight here today as always. Folks, um, we got some great questions last week and we'll get to them over the next couple of weeks. Um, but if you've got anything on your mind, healthcare, biotech, pharmacy, med tech, anything at all, or uh, insurance for that matter, um, anything at all related to healthcare that's on your mind, shoot us an email, hc at fool.com. That's hc like healthcare at fool.com. Uh, as always, as we uh, we usually let people know on Industry Focus, you know, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about. Um, usually we try to call it out, but you know, sometimes uh, we miss one. I, I think Todd and I both own J&J, by the way. Um, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks that are mentioned in this podcast. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks much. Uh, stay tuned for Industry Focus tomorrow. Uh, check back to Fool.com for all of your investment needs, healthcare and otherwise, and Fool on. Fool on.